Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is sponsored by SJNL General Contractors. They are licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee, and they provide services such as mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you need any of these services, contact them 931-433-4660, 931-433-4660. Also, they are in need of heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, CDL dump truck drivers, and pipe layers. If you're interested in employment with this family-owned business, you can go to the website www.sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. In my early adventures as a volunteer police chaplain for the city of Huntsville, the entire police department was going to be issued a new tool known as pepper spray. Now, the protocol for our officers to carry this stuff was that you had to attend a class And once you attended the class learning about the science of pepper spray and Scoville heat units and the proper protocol for decontamination and even the card that you're supposed to read people when you pepper sprayed them, the idea was that every officer in the department that was going to carry pepper spray had to be sprayed with it. Probably showing you that if you did get sprayed with your own spray or you got some blowback from the spray that you had already experienced it and it wouldn't become debilitating and it wouldn't shut you down. And so they invited the local SWAT team to the training. Now, this was a genius move on their part. Can you imagine (laughs) the fiasco of having all these guys in the same room at the same time and try to teach an in-service to them with other officers present. Uh, I think we were at one training one time when the very first chief that I worked under was speaking and the SWAT guys took turns. There was a time schedule that they would uh, leave the room like they were going uh, to the men's room and dial the chief's pager. And so there was this regular series of pages going off to the chief while he was trying to talk to us in this meeting or this in-service thing. Now, this is not our current chief. It's about five chiefs ago uh, back in the early part of 1992. So anyway, they decided, hey, we're going to certify SWAT, or that back then it was the SRT team, the special response team. We're going to do their pepper spray training on their training night. That way we don't have to give up an in-service night and we don't put them in the room with the other police officers and they might in some way, shape, or form behave themselves with some decorum. And so they said, hey, on next week's training night, we're going to do the pepper spray class. Chaplain, are you going to do that with us? Now, I'm not a police officer. I'm not an operator. I'm just a chaplain. At times, I'm basically nothing more than a glorified mascot. But I'd been more than happy to ride around in the black unmarked cars. I'd been more than happy to, to, to get to walk around at Panoply with nobody else there when they were on a special detail to protect Panoply. I'd been more than happy to participate in Carpathon, uh, which is allegedly uh, some event that takes place when nobody else is at the Big Spring. 
I had been more than happy to participate going to the range and 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 shooting the machine guns and the exotic weapons. So when they asked, hey, are you going to do this pepper spray class? It was like, I really don't want to, but almost as a matter of pride, I had to. So I attend this class with these guys, and they go through the science of it. And I think, if I remember correctly, it's 500,000 Scoville heat units is what they sprayed us with. And so we go outside on this cool fall evening, and they sprayed us in the face with pepper spray. Now, I took a shot right above my eyebrows and right below my nose. I discovered on that night that when someone asked me a question, I had the really odd habit of licking my upper lip before I speak. So not only did I get the pepper spray in my eyes and in my nose, I also got it in my mouth and on my tongue. Now, if you've never been sprayed with pepper spray, I describe it as being uh, trying to shave yourself with a belt sander or bobbing for french fries. So you get sprayed, you answer a few questions, and then you walk as far as you can walk before it shuts your eyes and your nose and your breathing down, and then you decontaminate. Well, while I'm walking my path after being sprayed, somebody thought it was cute to stick a camera in my face and ask me for a biblical quote. The first thing that popped into my mind was a passage from the book of Kings and the life of Elijah the prophet. And I simply quoted, and Elijah the prophet went a day's journey into the wilderness and he sat down under a broom tree and he asked the Lord that he might die. And he said, it is enough, O Lord, take my life. I am no better than my father's. Maybe not the most elegant or even eloquent thing to say under the situation, but that's what I came up with. And oftentimes I've thought about the phrase, it is enough. I've been recently asked to give several presentations on on suicide. Uh, I was at a retreat this weekend with the student center from UT Martin. And while I was there interacting with the students, someone called me from another state and said, we've encountered a person in our church and they've got some suicidal ideation. And I dealt with that crisis on the phone there. Suicide, the thought of murdering oneself, often is, is a byproduct of either depression or burnout. The phrase, it is enough, often makes me think in contrast to the phrase that Jesus said when he finished the duration of the cross. And when his quote is, not it is enough, but when he says, it is finished. Now, just some words about thoughts about suicide. Suicidal ideation it simply means the idea of suicide. Ideation means that, that you have an idea. Uh, suicidal ideation is not always a, a danger sign. Suicidal ideation is, is sometimes a person who's having a stream of consciousness or having some logical thoughts that are irrational. Now, how can they be logical and, and irrational at the same time? Well, let, let's take, for instance, an example of ideation. Um, my wife recently retired, 
And some of the projects that she wanted to do now that we're retired is redo the kitchen counters. And she wanted to do the kitchen counters in uh, black granite. And I'm looking at the expense for doing a tear out and doing an installation with a brand new, some kind of quartz composite space age technology farm sink. And I'm looking at these numbers rolling up. Now she's retiring, so we're going to get a dent in our income, but we're going to buy these granite countertops. And so my first thought was, you know, I need money to pay for these countertops. The bank has money. If I were to rob the bank, I could have money that's ideation it's a pretty logical thought i need money the bank has money if i had the bank's money i could pay for the countertops just because i've had that thought however does not mean you need to put me on a watch list just because i've had that thought doesn't mean that you need to be worried about me going in and knocking off the bank if however my ideation looks like it's developing a plan. Hey, you know the uh, the little bank branch over there near such and such a road, the security guard in there looks like he's about 87 years old. And the one girl behind the counter since tends to spend a lot of time on her phone. And I noticed they really only have one camera there. You see how if I were just having a random thought... I need money. The bank has money. If I had the bank's money, I'd have money. You see how if it, if it progresses from ideation to a plan. I'm putting some things together that say, hey, this might be a, a possibility. And then if the plan moves into something that we would call intent. Hey, you know that little bank branch I was telling you about a couple of weeks ago? Uh the security guard is, is old. The little girl behind the counter doesn't pay attention very much. She's on her phone a lot. Oh, and there's only one camera in there that looks like it's working. Hey, what do you say next Friday about noon? Could I get you to go to North Parkway and start a dumpster fire and, and, and maybe even get on the phone and, and yell that you saw someone with a firearm? If you do that for me about 1145 next Friday, you see how my ideation move to a plan and then my thoughts look like there might be some intent well when, when people are dealing with burnout and people are reaching to the place where they're not going to finish what they're doing when they reach the place and, and instead of saying it is finished they simply say it is enough that's when you start worrying about burnout and burnout leads to, to self-murder. It leads to suicide. The main myth about burnout is that it happens after six to ten years on the job. In fact, it happens every day. Feeling that you want to quit is simply the end of the line like dying of cancer after you've had it for six years. The cancer has been present for six years, consuming you day by day, and deciding that you don't want to do your job anymore or you just want to quit is not burnout. It's simply the final unavoidable terminal event. If you feel exhausted, 
and drained at the end of your working day, you are dying professionally by inches. That's a quote by Frederick H. Jones in his book, Positive Classroom Discipline. Well, when we reach a place that we say it is enough, that's not a sudden event. That's something that has happened over a progression of time and you've been quote unquote dying by inches for years. And it may be job stress, it may be relationship stress, it may be financial stress. It basically is going to boil into what we we would classify as chronic stress. And so you reach this place in your life, or you reach your place in a marriage, or you reach your place in your ministry, or your job, or a relationship. And instead of being able to look at it and say, I've done everything I need to do to be successful, I've done everything that I can do that's in my power or that is in my control, rather than saying it is finished, we reach the place that says it is enough. You see, the only way to lose a fight is to be hurt so badly that the only desire is not to be hit again. In most cases, the last blow is no harder than the ones before it. It just happens to land at the right place the wrong time. Your numbness, psychologically, emotionally, intellectually, or spiritually, is not a shield anymore. If you really took a good look at yourself, you really took a good evaluation of yourself, you'd gasp at the torn clothes and the amount of blood all over everything. At that point, a decision is made not to take anymore. Some scream for mercy. Some go down. Some just stop and walk away slump shoulder. Now, please understand there's no shame in being beaten. We all have the capacity to be defeated. There, there is something out there that can beat anyone. There is something out there that can beat that which has previously been unbeatable. But being beaten for the wrong reasons at the wrong time is a shame. It might even be a sin. When Jackie and I were camping on Cumberland Island one time, we were walking along the beach. Now, Cumberland Island is an island off the coast of Georgia. It's part of the National Seashore. You can make arrangements to get on the ferry, the Cumberland Queen, and they'll take you and drop you off at a dock. And at a certain time the same day, they'll come get you. Or there's a a ferry schedule, and three or four days later, they'll come back and get you. And so we were camping and backpacking on the island when we were a young married couple. Uh, it's a small island, and, and, and I've camped there several times, not just with Jackie, but, but several times over the last few years. It's a, one of the places I actually have gone to rejar- recharge my batteries. One of the trips that we were there, the sea turtles were nesting, and so we spent a lot of time walking on the beach looking for nesting sites. The sites are typically marked with colored stakes, and the colors indicate Uh, that when a nest is going to hatch, the color indicates, hey, this was found in this month, and it gives you kind of a countdown to when they'll hatch. While we were on one of these expeditions, we found a couple of things that were pretty interesting. Uh, One was the remains of a sea turtle. 
and the other was a very big surprise. When I could see the shape on the beach far away, I was expecting another large sea turtle, but what we found was a dolphin. I've seen dolphins in the water. I've seen dolphins in the wild. I've actually shaken hands with a dolphin at a park one time. They're beautiful, powerful creatures. And sometimes, for whatever reasons, a dolphin finds it difficult to stay afloat and breathe. Now, dolphins are mammals, so they do have to come to the surface. They have to continually surface in order to breathe. And so when a dolphin finds it difficult to swim and stay afloat and breathe, sometimes for whatever reason, they beach themselves. And this way they can breathe and not have to swim. The sad thing about it is dolphins don't always get back into the water with the tide. I'm guessing that this is what happened to the dolphin I found on the beach. And it cost him his life. I have been tired enough to want to get out of my element just so I could breathe. I've known people who said they could not breathe in, in their marriage. I've known people who said they couldn't breathe trying to parent their kids. I have been so concerned in times past with just swimming and breathing that any kind of break would have been nice. You see, there's nothing wrong with desiring a rest. There's nothing wrong with needing a rest or even taking a rest. It's just the type of rest that we take and what we take rest from that can hold the dangers for us. You see, a dolphin must be in the water. And he must be in the air to live. To give up one in pursuit of the other is a sad tragedy. Let's make a commitment not to get ourselves into the place where you have to choose between two things you need for living in order just to merely survive. You see, burnout, suicidal ideation, it's it's really the difference between looking at, at what you're required to do as a spouse or a Christian or an employee or an employer, as a friend, as a neighbor, and really looking at those requirements and, and being able to look at yourself and honestly say, it is enough? Or did you honestly able to say, it is finished? I remember in another one of my SWAT adventures, we got a young man on the team. And then I've always liked to work out. I, I, I started doing push-ups in, in high school and uh, you know did push-ups and bodyweight exercises. The only sports trophy I actually have is a, uh, a push-up trophy from Harding University. I was the, the push-up champion at, at Harding University. And then when I started hanging out, uh, with the SWAT team, I, I, I began to run with them some. I've never been a good runner, not a good runner today. But the typical SWAT routine was we get together and we run a couple of miles and we might do some upper body stuff. But uh, it was typically your standard, you know, just military type PT. You might stand in a circle and everybody in the circle gets to pick a calisthenic and then we'd run, you know, two or three miles. Well, we picked up this young guy on our team. And I don't know that he'll be embarrassed if I tell you his name. His name is Brad Snipes. 
and at the time, Brad was deeply into CrossFit. So on one of our training nights, Brad had arranged for us to visit a CrossFit gym. This is my very first experience in any way, shape, or form with CrossFit. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with CrossFit, CrossFit is 1940s farming that you pay to make someone make you do. Like you're flipping tractor tires and you're dragging sleds and carrying pigs and all kinds of stuff. It, it's, it's brutal. But I've done several workouts with CrossFit, but my very first one was with Mr. Snipes. And, and he had arranged for the SWAT team to visit this gym. And they were going to put us through a, a 16 or 18 minute circuit. And I think the name of the routine was called Fight Gone Bad. They have different routines. I've done the Murph, uh, which is, I think, a workout of the day, uh, the, the Murph workout. I've done it on like uh, Memorial Day weekend or whatever. Well, we did this this routine called Fight Gone Bad. And I've never been in a fight that went this bad. But as they began to to explain the routine, you had to do several different series of, of, of movements. And if you didn't do the movements right, you didn't get a rep. And, and that really, really made me mad that, you know, you'd start doing something and they would count one, two, 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 two. You look up and go, hey, the next number's three. But if you don't do the push-up or whatever it is you're supposed to do, uh, you didn't get counted for the rep. But anyway, as they began to explain this workout, somebody – mentioned that each rep or each completion was worth a certain number of points. And, 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 and they threw out the number that quite possibly, if you could score 150 on this workout, you'd be like above average. Well, at the time that this was happening, I was a middle-aged guy in my early 40s. And that number 150 stuck in my head. And it was like, I'm going to do 150 on this or I will die trying. So we start doing this horrendous circuit workout. And all of a sudden it dawns on me. Now, I'm not the best math guy in the world, but it dawns on me that I can do about 90% or maybe even 80%, and I got 150 in the bag. So that's what I did. Not only did I have 150 in the bag, I sandbagged, and this thing still nearly killed me. At the end of the workout, I'm lying in the floor making a combination sweat angel, pain angel, and this young... New SWAT cop Brad Snipes walks over me, and as he steps over me, I said, "Hey, uh, I did a hundred and fifty. What did you do?" And this young, fit CrossFit guy stops, looks at me, and says, "All I could," and he walked away. You see, in, in my workout. I had a number, and I'd set that number and decided that if I got it, it would be enough. And my friend Brad had decided that he would do this workout until it was finished. And so if you're facing a decision, 
about your job or your church or a friendship or your marriage or even your life, don't reach the place where you go, it is enough. Reach the place where you can go, it is finished. Teddy Roosevelt said, courage is not having the strength to go on, but going on when you have no strength. There are 32 miles of cave passages in Cumberland Cavern. 333 feet underground is the Volcano Room. The Volcano Room is the site for the youth rally known as Erupt. It's an underground youth rally. It's an annual event. It takes place in October. The next Erupt is scheduled for October of 2021. Erupt is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. If you'd like more information, you may contact them at eruptyouthrally at gmail.com. That's eruptyouthrally at gmail.com. Or check out their website for more information. Three W's and a dot. Eruptyouthrally.com www.eruptyouthrally.com Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I am your host, Lonnie Jones. My wife Jackie and I moved to Huntsville in 1986, and we've had a wonderfully fulfilling experience living in this city. Our life has been filled with opportunities, and our life has been filled with outright uh, adventures. I've been in ministry since the spring of 1980. Jackie and I have been married for over 37 years. I've been a licensed professional counselor for about 23 years. And I've also worked with the local police department as a chaplain who is assigned to a SWAT team. This spring is my 29th year to be in that role. I used to write little snippets in a church bulletin, and they were stories. And, and we take those day-to-day stories and talk about facts. The facts lead to concepts. The concepts lead to applications. And we take those applications and try to have some life lessons out of them. We've turned those articles now into a audio form, which is our little podcast. Just a cautionary word about the facts. Sometimes we tell you the facts just exactly the way it happened, but every now and then we like to tell the story the way we've heard people tell the story, the way they say it happened. And we're going to do a little bit of embellishment. It's all in good, clean fun. It's for educational purposes. Uh, thank you for joining our podcast. Be sure and check out our resource page, LonnieJonesResources.com. That's a link to our books and some other products. Uh, we have some online resources that you can uh, click for free, and some of them are for purchase. But we thank you for keeping up with Jones. Jones.